0: Envy, ye, and Charlemagne.
1: Everybody that's anybody comes to The Breakfast Club. You know, you give voice to people that would be voiceless. Right
2: now, your show has the pulse of the culture.
3: Yeah.
2: Everyone smells
4: rich <laughs> and successful. <laughs> Where y'all at now, is, can't nobody tell y'all.
2: Non-stop entertainment.
0: The Breakfast Club.
2: Wake, wake your Wake your punk ass up. Wake your
0: punk ass up. <laughs> Your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this?
5: This Jasmine. Hey, get it off your chest.
3: You no, know, I just wanted to say I love listening to y'all. Y'all help me every morning. And what up, though, from Detroit?
6: What up, what though? up though? What up, though? What up, And Angela, when you need a new guest for lip service? I'm trying to get on this show. Where are you going? You in Detroit still? Yes, I live here. What you, what's your qualifications? Tell me what you do so that I can know what you I want to talk about. I
3: for radio and broadcasting, so I do have experience with that. I recently have my own podcast, but uh dark fantasy. All
6: right, what is it?
3: <laughs> Mine is doing something
6: in a car
3: and somewhere real dark in the park where nobody can see you.
6: Sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for calling with your freaky ass. All right, DM me, girl. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Siobhan. Good morning to
3: everyone. Good morning. Get it off your chest. Okay, so in our community, I'm going to say the black community, we should normalize raising our kids without abusing them. It's just something that shouldn't be done. Like, why are we beating our kids? And, like, and then people are quick to go to the Bible and say, "Oh, you know, you know, they, they spare the rod for the child.' But don't we all remember in school that the rod means the rod of correction, and not like necessarily disciplining with pain?
2: You know, you but you know, you know that's something we learn from our oppressor. You know, you know and, that. And that's, that and, that's,
3: and that's what I'm saying. Like we need to to stop it. Like cause there's so many people. Like that, you know, I whooped her butt, or I did this. What about sitting down and speaking with your child?
7: That's right. Like
2: my o- my oldest whipped. daughter is um 13, and you know I spanked her when she was like young, like you know two years old, and I felt so stupid. And I always say to myself, like, how could my parents, you know, beat me with extension cords and everything else, and be okay.
3: A good
2: <laughs> How did that not bother them?
3: That, and that's and that's what I'm saying. And you're you're so right. It is coming from our oppressors, but I think we need to be more conscious of where it's coming from. Like spread the word, talk to each other, because this is is so sickening. So sickening.
6: Yeah, it's awful. I used to get All my right. ass well, beat.
8: Thank you, Mama. <laughs>
3: oh, of course. You guys have a great one.
5: You too. Now, hello. Who's this? This is El dog, yeah, What up? Get it off your chest, brother. Hey, man, I want to thank God I'm living today, going to work, man.
1: Tell your body to stop the vaccine mandate. Yes,
2: man. <laughs> I feel you. All right, yeah, brother.
1: Well, that's all I got. Y'all have a, y'all have
5: a good day, man. Yes, hey, sir. You have a blessed one too, bro. Hello, who's this? What's up, man? It's Block 80 from Virginia. What's up, 757. Get it off your chest. Man, I just want to get it off my
1: chest. I'm feeling
5: blessed. I'm about to drop an uh, album this month called
1: Block Man.
6: Black man. Okay.
1: What yeah, part of yeah, VA you from? My little brother. You say what? What part of Virginia you from? Uh, from Chesapeake. Okay.
6: All right, so you rap?
1: Yeah. All right,
6: spit some real quick this morning.
1: I say I'm motivated. greatest. they underrated. Pockets overweighted. Know you hate it. Won't believe the lies I told you lady. Just to hold my babies. You see the wings this year. Ain't no Mercedes walking to the room. They going crazy because I ain't got no shirt on. They rubbing on my six-pack. Some shit you need to work on. Killing me, might as well try the hurt home. pack Smell like the nurse home. I got the wave, you can surf on, and a whole lot of dough. That's a biscuit number.
2: How old are okay. you, brother? How old are you, sir? Thirty-one. Oh, okay. Do you really have a six-pack? Yeah. All right. Okay. Sure. What you want? to See a picture? No, I'm just asking. I just want, I just want to <laughs> hey, look, make sure.
1: I just want to make sure it's real. So just follow my ID, block 80, man. I got some hot music on YouTube videos, forty thousand okay. K views, all that. All, all right. right, well, congrats. What thing, you think, bro, bro? All right, brother. Hello, who's this? Uh, Dorian. Hey, Dorian. Get it off your chest, sir. I just wanted to send out a positive message to everybody and also ask about therapy. Yes, sir. Yeah, brother. Hey, I was just uh, wanted to tell everybody out there struggling, if you're going through anything, it's all a part of your story. Don't give up. Keep on pushing and just keep on believing in yourself, trusting yourself, and visualize the best version of yourself.
2: You got to trust you your life. You got to trust God and you got to trust your life
1: that's it that's
2: it now what's your question and, um, for therapy
1: well um, it's time for me to start working on myself because it's a lot of stuff that i've been holding
2: in and it's time for me to really start to grow more hey best decision i ever made in my life back in back in 2016 man I started going in 2016 once a week every friday whatever makes you feel comfortable you can go in person you know it's a lot of teletherapy that you can do nowadays you just got to do some research and find the best therapist for you. What, what do you What do you think you need to go for? I went, I went for my anxiety and bouts of depression and ended up peeling back all kind of layers of trauma. But what do you think you need to go for?
1: I just need to go for, like, just for my health, well, for my mental health, because I'm real bad with my emotions. Mm. And it affects everyone else around me. You can always just put things off and say, OK, it'll be all right.
2: Well, I would tell you, man, how to support people. just 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 find somebody that's, you know, in your area that you think is best suited to fit your needs. That's what mm-hmm. I would tell you. And you, can, right, you, you can you All can right. go to my website, go to go to the mental wealth And, you know, we have a list of, of providers. You probably can find somebody in your area. OK, I appreciate it. Yeah, mental mental wealth alliance dot org. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Get it off your chest.
5: 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.
0: The Breakfast Club.
3: <laughs>
0: this is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yo, DJ
9: MD, Charlamagne
3: the God,
0: Angela E. Good morning. Good
3: morning. Good morning. Good morning. So what I want to get off my chest, I know DJ but you go through this all the time.
5: What's that? I'm half
3: black, people come up to me, they ask me <laughs> what my nationality is, and they assume that I'm Spanish, Puerto Rican, but my dad's black, my mom's white. It gets me frustrated sometimes. I want to know what you do about that. How
2: um, the hell would we know?
3: You talking about me. I don't pay oh. any mind.
5: I, I don't pay it any mind. I mean, I, I, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't bother me. It's not like something like, oh my God, this grind my gears. No, I don't care. I, you I, don't like when people say you Dominican? Uh, so I, I joke back. I'm saying I'm black, but I don't, it don't upset me to the point where I'm gonna go in the corner and cry. I what do people I'm ask black. you? you, they, ask you what, they ask you what? They ask you what are you? Bro, yeah, make up he, your he,
2: mind.
6: It, it, I'm not. You just you
2: just I said mean, it's not a problem, but now you're saying him you're not he Dominican. Have
5: to get that mad and that upset. I Wait, I'm people trying people, to I'm understand
6: black. his. Uh, so people just say, "What are you?" Yeah, they ask me what my
3: nationality is. I'm like, I I I tell them to guess, and they usually go Spanish, Puerto Rican. Well, you told them to guess. You
2: should just say, I'm a would I wish Envy would humor me one day and say, Guess what I am? Today?
5: No, no I understand, though. He's
6: annoyed that people come up to him that don't even know him and just say, What's your nationality? Like, yeah. I get it. It's annoying. I, I, thank you, brother. I don't have a problem. Like, I, I, I never really
5: understood why people get mad at that. There's so many nationalities and so many people. If you see somebody you want to ask, why does that bother people? I, I don't understand. Uh, well, he's bothered. He's inquisitive. Like, what are you? Oh, you're this and that. Oh, okay, that's dope. You I mean, that? they're
2: entitled to be bothered. But if you have something in your mind, you know what I mean. Like, if you in your mind you know what you are, I can see why that would be annoying. Because you think you would hope everybody else sees it too. But what are you, Charlamagne? Black, 100% pure God. Okay. You don't look black to me. Hello, who's this? I look more on the white side. I'm 97 i I'm actually 97% West African. I've done my Af- uh, African ancestry
1: hello who's this yo what's going on it's phyllis brown listen yesterday was too crazy everybody was going stupid over social media man but we (laughs) need to all get off of it social media is just an everlasting chase of approval
2: of of people we don't care about that's right how did you know
6: everybody was going crazy over it where'd you see that
2: on article. whenever if you on YouTube, Google anything, all they talk about Facebook. Yeah, it was know? news, like it was on CNN, MSNBC. I'm like, okay. So Facebook you don't that. use social
6: media? Nah, not like that. Because
2: you know what I'm saying. You
1: start comparing yourself to people who just put up the highlights. It's bad for your mental health. Char-
2: I literally, I said, I, I told Duval this about a week ago. I was like, yo, when did social media become like a university of higher learning? Like, I remember 10 years ago when it was literally just a playground. It was literally just a place we went to have fun. We unplugged. Yeah. People don't unplug no more.
1: Nope. Hello, who's this? Yo, listen. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. I want to send a shout out to this miserable person I met this weekend who worked at the Barclays Center. If Uh-oh. you are a miserable person, do not pass it on <laughs> to other people. What happened? Don't. All right, so I was working at J Cole concert. First of all, he's my favorite artist. I was praying to work this concert.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I worked the concert. Um, I'm also an artist, so I'm like, man, I hope I could get a chance to shoot my shot tonight. Uh-oh. I'm standing on the side of this the stage, down. right? Mm-hmm. And J Cole stuck his leg up on the speaker, and it ended up falling off the stage. I caught the speaker. We put the speaker back on. Now, if you would have seen it, you would have known that a whole chain of speakers would have fell off. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I just saved that from happening. You saved a the show. Woman sees me. Yeah, she goes, uh, you, "Yeah, you don't belong over here. You gotta, you gotta go." I'm like, "Okay." Now I go to where I'm supposed to be, but you know, and you guys have been to the Barclay Center. You know where where the cars come into. Where? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm downstairs. downstairs.
5: Yep, in the garage. Yep
1: and um i just waited over there respectfully you know i could have pretended i was a part of the entourage snuck back there i didn't do anything like that i just waited quietly um while you know while going back and forth and working and this same miserable worker came over where do you belong oh you don't belong here now uh reported me and a whole bunch of nonsense but you could just tell man she was just a miserable person and she wanted to pass that on to Whoever
2: else, you know. Now you leaving out the part where you was trying to slip J Cole your mixtape, and you Absolutely. was telling J Cole you rap. Oh, hold on, hold
1: on, hold on! I just said that. He said but that it wasn't was. a mixtape, and I, and and I don't get down like. You just that.
2: said shoot I your shot. I didn't I want to. Somebody. I didn't want it. That could go any. That could mean anything. You it, said shoot your shot. But if
5: she's a manager. Was she a manager? No, she wasn't a manager. Oh, because she could have got in trouble. Maybe J Cole's people would have. Yeah, yeah, no. Look, and said and she you could know got what, and I really? respect
1: that. It was just the way she went about it. The way she went about it was just nasty.
2: And uh, so, I mean, come on, I'm not shooting my shot. What's up with you and these men, man? You said shoot your shot, didn't he say that? You said yeah, you I wanted said to shoot. I'm you? an artist before I said that. All you heard was <laughs> shoot your shot. I'm worried about you, I don't bro. know what kind of picture you wanted to paint. But oh, I,
6: was, I was. But I was. okay, I got a question. Were you, you not where you were supposed to be, though?
5: He wasn't, you know, he was somewhere else. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I well,
6: mean. It's not,
1: like, it's not like I was making a disruption or, or uh, like I went about it. Like, you know, I work in production. So I try not to invade people's
5: space. I get it. Yeah, but she was doing her job. Was, she was making sure she was, she was security. But I will say, out of every venue that i ever been to, any any concert hall or any arena, the Barclays is usually the nicest people I've ever been to.
2: I, Bar- I'm not yet. Barclays. Yeah. Yeah. I love a lot of people staff. from
5: Brooklyn
6: that work yeah, at the Barclays. Barclays
5: is the nicest place. I was surprised because at the, at the Garden, they're like that. Yeah, I, w- I would say, you know. I love
6: the Barclays. I would
5: say the Barclays is better than the Garden to me. And I'm better than all these arenas. But I do love it, the you Garden, too, though. You got to do your job, bro. That's it. Do your job. All right, Joe. All right, man. <laughs> He's you know, like. The Breakfast
1: Club,
0: Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God.
5: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. We have Dr. Cameron Webb. Welcome, brother.
9: Thanks so much for having
2: me. How you doing, King? He's the uh, senior policy advisor for equity on White House COVID nineteen task force. What, what does that yeah, mean? What does that mean?
9: Yeah, that was the first question I asked when uh, mm-hmm. when the administration asked me to come in in this role because equity means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. But I think from my perspective and I think the perspective of the vice president and the president, it's making sure that everyone in every community has the opportunity to achieve their best health. And in this pandemic, it means not just to you know, survive, but hopefully thrive. You know, it's been a tough moment for a they, lot of
2: people. They're attaching that word equity to a lot of things. I don't know if yeah. they should be attaching that word equity to. You saw what happened last week when they, uh, or was it? The, when, they, when they said it was crack pipes. But it was safe yeah. smoking supply kits, whatever yeah. you want to call it, syringes and all that. And they attached racial equity to that, too. Why are they attaching equity to all these things? Different things become buzzwords at different times,
9: mm-hmm. right? And I think that for a long time we talked about disparities, inequalities. And now I think people are focused on this notion of equity, and appropriately so, right? Equity mm-hmm. means that, you know, you're not doing the same thing for everybody, but you're finding ways to write systemic you know, inequalities that have existed over time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to do that, you have to make sure that you tailor strategies uh, in different directions so i think that's the notion that's an it's an underpinning of a lot of what the administration aims to do but as much as it's a it's an animating principle for the administration it's a buzzword that a lot of people attack otherwise and i think that's why the piece with the crack pipes it was it was just a, a straight up attack you know mm-hmm. for not for good reasons so what's we know the, how those things go
5: what's the COVID 19 task force What what is that task force because it seems like you know we've been we say one thing, then we bring it back, then we say another thing, then we say, "Oops, we were wrong." Then we say something, then it changes so much. So, what is the COVID nineteen task force, and what is it supposed to do?
9: Yeah, so in the in the White House COVID response team, it's really kind of the core entity coordinating across government. So, you know, um, there are a couple of different pieces. And when you mentioned task force, there there was a health equity task force specifically on the White that the president initiated, and Dr. Marcella Nunez Smith was leading that. So, their role over the course of twenty twenty one was to convene experts, work with communities, really identify what is gonna help us to, to really uh, accomplish this goal of health equity, health equity specifically within the context of the pandemic. And so they issued their final report in November. So that was the health equity task force. The COVID response team is, is more so just the, the quarterback of the effort. So we work with CDC, we work with you know all the different pieces of HHS, we work with other components of the White House and other agencies to say, what is it that we can do that we can leverage from your agency, your office, To help advance the goals of of really eliminating or addressing this pandemic
2: now we see cases dropping all across the country but they say it's still higher than they were this time last year so what 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 is that has has herd immunity kicked in or what is it well you
9: know i think omicron was was a unique monster you know i mean it it showed up and we just saw cases spike and i I work clinically in the hospital so i work as an internal medicine doctor and you know even on the floor we just started seeing record numbers of patients coming in Mm. and these were folks who had, you know, navigated this pandemic for a year and a half and then all of a sudden coming in uh, sick with COVID. And I think that you see the cases spike. You know, I, I dug into the data and, and it really peaked among, you know, black folks 18 to 39 in, in southern states. Mm-hmm. And I think you see the, the combination of the lack of mitigation measures like masks, like, you know, some of the, the physical distancing and avoiding crowded indoor spaces, the impact of the, the booster effort, right? Because when you have disproportionality with boosters, then you see that manifest in hospitalization rates. So the cases were concerning. The hospitalizations were really concerning. We had mm-hmm. four times the hospitalization rate in the black community uh, just over the last few weeks. And so when I hear people saying the pandemic's over, I'm just like, I don't know what pandemic you're watching. But, you know,
5: it's, it's hard to, to, you know, all the stuff that they're talking, but then you see certain governors in certain states saying they're taking the mask mandates off. Right. Then, um, you know, even airports, when you're flying at one time, you know, there was, a middle, there was a seat between everybody for social distancing. Now they're cramming people in like sardines, like so. What do what should people believe because they change things so much they do
9: in a, a couple of things? First, people say, you know, they, they change recommendations a lot. And that's true. Uh, just the same way the weatherman changes the recommendations of what you should wear in December versus June. Right. They think the environment changes and that's why recommendations change along with it. But that being said, you know, I don't want to lean into like false equivalency. We say this is what's happening in hospitals, therefore what's happening in communities. You know, I'll give the example for my own family. I have two kids. one's six. One is ten. Right. For my two kids, even if the governor in Virginia is saying, oh, kids don't need to wear masks, my kids are going to be wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And the reason isn't just that it's going to protect their health and well-being It's that my wife's an emergency doc with the work she does and the work that I do. We can't afford for our kids to be out of school for five to 10 days because they caught COVID. Right. So we're going to do everything we can to protect them. And I, I think for people who can't afford to miss work for a week and a half. Keep your kids protected, right? Like this is these are mitigation strategies that are rooted in public health that just makes sense. And so while some governors are relaxing these mandates, the thing I keep reminding people is nobody's saying you cannot wear masks. What they're saying is that they're not mandating masks in indoor spaces, but like Floyd Mayweather said, protect yourself at all times, right? Like you really have to have that mentality in this
6: world. All right, we have more with Dr. Cameron Webb coming up on the Breakfast Club.
0: The Breakfast Club.
6: What's up? It's The Breakfast Club, and we are sitting here with Dr. Cameron Webb, DJ Envy.
5: What's your thoughts on, on mandating the vaccine? You know, some people, uh, if they don't have the vaccine, their jobs are firing them. What's your thoughts on that?
9: Well, you know, I think if you look back at, at work requirements, for instance, you know, we put those in place last summer, and uh, and my, my first thought on it is I was like, well, there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's rooted in people's confidence. We have to do the hard work of really talking to folks. We had 90 million people who weren't vaccinated at that point in time. You, you fast forward six months, seven months. And we're down to 30 million. 60 million people were vaccinated in that time just from those requirements. And then Omicron hit, mm-hmm. right? And when Omicron hit, we had far fewer hospitalizations and deaths than we would have had, but for those vaccinations. You know, you look at things like the flu. We have about 50% of people nationwide who get the flu vaccine. It's not mandated. 40% of black folks. But you look at COVID, 84% of black people have gotten the COVID vaccine. Wow. And so you know, and that's 85% of white people, 86% of Latino individuals, so this is unprecedented levels not only of vaccination rates, but of equity in terms of those vaccination rates. And I look at that and I say it's not just numbers; those are lives saved. Those are people who aren't in my hospital. So, so you know, as a as a physician, I'll tell you, I'm glad more people are protected than than would have been the case. Uh, I think that you know the Supreme Court made the decision they made on work requirements, but I think that at the end of the day, these requirements have saved lives and they work. And for people who get protected. You know, that, that benefit accrues over time. They had that immunologic protection. They carry with them every single day.
5: What about, what's your thoughts on kids getting a vaccination? You know, I, I got sick. So at first I was a little scared, a little nervous because, you know, I just felt like it wasn't tested enough for children. I did get it for my, my older kids, but, you know, it, it was still a little, little nerve wracking.
9: Yeah. Well, so I mentioned I have a six year old and a 10 year old. And I remember when my daughter Avery was born. I'm a I'm a whole doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time they showed up to put a shot in her arm. I was like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. You know, like, mm-hmm. she's she's straight from God. Like, you know, this child had not been touched by anything. Mm-hmm. Now he's starting to put shot. But again, I had to remind myself, this is part of my being a good parent is making sure we're using all the tools we have of today to protect her from the worst of what can happen. You know, those same two kids, they got vaccinated as soon as possible from COVID. Mm-hmm. And in large part, it was because for my wife and I, we work on the front lines in the hospital we were always worried about bringing something home to those kids you know and so i think that you know from our perspective there were there was a process that led us to that decision we we don't just follow go with the flow we said where's the data and if you dig into the data uh the data on kids 5 to 11 was fantastic remember that the dose for adults uh for pfizer for instance was 30 micrograms Mm -hmm. for kids it was 10 micrograms so it's one third of the dose reduced the side effects significantly and in the side effects i'm talking about headaches i'm talking about muscle pain, stuff like that. My kids didn't have any of that when they got vaccinated. But even a step farther, you realize that it's really effective because kids have a really robust immune system. So not only was it, you know, safer from a side effect standpoint, but it was just as as good the immunogenicity of of promoting a good immunologic response. And so from that, I'm like, my kids are getting the best of two worlds here. And what's crazy is that, you know, when Omicron hit and kids all across their school are getting COVID, my kids are fine through it, right? Mm Because they wear masks, because they were vaccinated. That's those are layers of protection that we're
2: grateful for. But even that information was kind of confusing because I remember when they were telling us, you know, COVID doesn't affect kids at all, and then it was just like, just all of a sudden one day it was like, you gotta go out there and get your kids vaccinated. Yeah,
9: you you gotta. What I always tell people is, um, you know, don't you gotta you gotta listen to the messenger, right? Don't let people tell tell the story because if they say it's not affecting kids, it sure was affecting black kids. You know, you look at the the rate of deaths, there were more deaths in black children than there were mm-hmm. white children several times more, right? Covid was in the top ten causes of death for kids before the vaccines came out. So people will create a narrative just to further their their point. But the truth of the matter is, Covid has affected kids this entire time, and not only just that. Right. So
2: Fauci lied. Fauci Fauci didn't lie. Lie.
9: No, it's it's context, right? It's okay. not these aren't lies. Like the context is that people say, are we seeing kids in ICUs to the same rate that we're seeing seventy-five year olds? No, right. Okay. But I think for a lot of like people like to boil things down into really simple terms. this really complex concepts. Right. But there are a few things. So. So today, if you ask me, what's the risk of of COVID-19 versus the flu in kids? I would say in terms of severe illness, they're relatively similar. But in terms of long COVID, I don't know. And one thing I want to protect my kids from are the lingering and long term effects of COVID. Right. So. So those are things where it's like. and, And also, remember, data continues to evolve. We continue to get new information as this pandemic goes on. So the information that Fauci had back in March of 2020, Versus March 21 versus next month, March of 22.
2: Completely different. So you're saying that in March of 2020, the information he dispensed uh, could have been considered misinformation now.
9: I think it would be considered information that has that has been updated. Right. Because mm-hmm. if, in March of 2020, we had just started to see cases by 21. We had seen cases, but we hadn't seen what vaccines were going to be able to do. And we hadn't seen some of these uh some of these variants, and now March of 22, we've seen variants. We've seen two years worth of effects of, mm-hmm. but there's just way more information, and I think that's that's the thing. People, there's not a lot of grace in our society for that, you know. But I think that if you're a scientist, when you, the way you look at this, you're like, of course we're gonna learn stuff over time. Of course we're gonna get new mm-hmm. data. Of course there're gonna be new articles. Of course that's gonna
2: update the way we treat people.
9: That's that's science.
2: That's how yeah, I, was gonna I mean Fauci said. I mean at one point Fauci said, don't wear a mask. He said masks only for health. Care professional. Yeah,
9: professional. And I think people see that. And, and, you know, what you're what you're speaking to is kind of how that undermines some confidence, right? For everybody who's keeping track and has a list of you said this this day and then that changed, you know, they're just like, I don't know if I can trust you. It's funny. I, I did some focus groups uh, working with the Department of Health and Human Services on unvaccinated young black people. I was like, well, what are your reasons? What are you concerned about? And they're like, well, people keep saying different things. I don't feel like I can trust government. I don't feel like I can, I can trust you know, any politicians. And we're like, well, who do you feel like you can trust? People say nobody
2: that's
7: real
9: and it's just like that's 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 so disappointing you know and it's it is real but at the same time you know i think about the work i've done in community long before i was in government and the way that community members look to me then and continue to look to providers in their own community they'll say they don't trust anybody but they'll know their local doctor the person who's like in the neighborhood and they'll be like let me call up so-and-so and find out what's real right we still have that dynamic we know that local trusted messengers make the difference but I think that's what happens when you're communicating like nationally for something that's very local, very individual. Not everything applies to one person.
6: All right, we have more with Dr. Cameron Webb coming up on The Breakfast Club.
0: The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same.
6: Tonight is the highly
5: anticipated new CW series, All-American Homecoming. Rising tennis star Simone Hicks takes the next step by leaving the man she loves to begin her new life at Bringston University, where black excellence is a way of life. There, she meets up with the elite baseball player from Chicago, Damon Sims. He turned down a career in pro baseball to help the HBCU battle its way back to greatness. Don't miss All-American, homecoming tonight at 9, 8 central on CW or stream free tomorrow on CW app.
6: What's up? It's The Breakfast Club and we are sitting here with Dr. Cameron Webb, DJ Envy.
5: I was going to ask, you know, we talk about healthcare workers same. When COVID first happened, the pandemic first happened, a lot of them were on the front lines. There was no vaccine and a lot of them died. A lot of them lost their life. A lot of them went into work and not knowing what was going to happen. Now, fast forward a little bit. Now they're saying if a lot of them don't get their vaccination, they're going to be fired. What do, what do you say to that? Because they put their lives on the line when there was no vaccine. I am them. Right? So you're talking That's about right. me. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about though. me. But then and some of them people didn't and they don't believe in it. They don't want to. But now we just firing them and just throw them away. But before they were, we honored them. We, we loved them. They were heroes, and now it's like, ah, oh, you're gone?
9: You see, and, and again, let's let's tell the facts, right? Because people will try to tell you a story. Over 98% of healthcare workers are vaccinated, right? It's a, it's a great majority of healthcare workers are vaccinated. And this isn't new to us. Mm-hmm. Every single year, they make me get what? My flu shot. If I don't have my flu shot, I got to talk to somebody. That's a problem. Every time they're somebody asking will say me, a flu shot has been tested, it's been tried, it's yearly. Fully FDA approved. Mm-hmm. This COVID vaccine is fully. Fully approved, right? And if you, so if you asked me that question January of last year Mm -hmm. and you are like, oh, these are new vaccines, I'd give you that. I'd grant you that, right? We're talking about a vaccine that passed the same gold standard as the diabetes medicine you use, the asthma medicine you use. You don't think twice before you take a, a puff of that albuterol, but this is a vaccine that has passed that rigorous evaluation process, right? And so I think for a lot of people, it's not because the data on the vaccines themselves is a little shaky. It's because of this narrative that's been weaved for the last year and a half that just undermines a lot of public confidence. We have those conversations. I think at the end of the day, there are people who are always going to make decisions that they think is in their best interest. And if that impacts their employment, that's their decision to make, right? But at the end of the day, as a healthcare worker, I know that it's not my, I don't have the the right to bring illness in when people are sick, right? Mm -hmm. The patients I was taking care of over the weekend, those individuals who were already sick, I can't bring COVID to them. My coworkers who are working their butts off for the last two years, I can't get them sick with COVID after they've been doing everything to protect themselves just because they're in the, the physician's lounge with me and I happen to have COVID, right? So we have to create safe environments and healthcare spaces. That's not new to COVID. That's something we've always held. People politicize it more. It's more charged in COVID. And you've got 330 million people who we're talking about intervening on right now in this moment. Whereas for some other things, if it's your measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, everybody got that when they got it. They're tetanus, they got that when they got it, right? This is all at once. And that's what creates this kind of
2: There's
9: there's this frenzy all
2: at once. What do you say to people who feel like, oh, well, you know, there's people out there getting the vaccine, but they're still catching COVID and they're still getting sick and you can still pass, you know, the vaccine, which was another thing that you could say was misinformation because people told us that couldn't happen. It's, It's heartbreaking. And, you know, I think that that's
9: one of the things that that is so frustrating to me, because on the front end, you know, I was one of those hopeful people. Right. When I got vaccinated on December 17th of 2020, I was hopeful that this was gonna prevent me from getting COVID, you know, forevermore, right? That's just not what the data ended up bearing out. What the the studies did for that vaccine is they said, I'm much less likely to be hospitalized or die from COVID. But we said, but I'm also less likely to transmit it or to get COVID as well. Ultimately, I think a couple of things blew the lid off that. You look at Omicron, so many people were getting COVID. Again, I'm always reminded how many people would have died from COVID if it weren't for vaccines. Or, you know, the the primary endpoint of those studies was looking at death and hospitalization. We still saw a lot of hospitalization, but those hospitalizations would have been deaths, right? Those cases would have been hospitalizations. The the benefit of the vaccines is it limited the severity of the illness. And that's just part of it, right? I think, you know, I look at other pieces, you know, there, there are conversations that we have because we feel like, oh, we're all... We're all healthy and well. There are people walking around who look just like you and me, uh, who, who are living their everyday lives, but they also are immunocompromised. They're also dealing with a new cancer diagnosis. Part of our obligation, our responsibility is to keep in mind there are folks who don't have the benefit of all the, the opportunities we have to work from home, who don't have the benefit of, of some of the different medications or the, you know, and whatnot. And for them, this idea of vaccines is truly life-saving for them. And if as a society we're not taking care of or thinking about or, or prioritizing the ability to keep society safe, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in the black community, right? 14% of us are, are disabled. In the black community, we carry more chronic medical conditions. So when we see even vaccinated folks now who are being hospitalized, you know, over the age of 65, the black individuals over 65 carry more chronic illness into that that and hospitalization. What's,
5: and what's your thoughts on the covid pill? I know I know we had to go with the oh, yeah. covid pill, the new pill that they're saying. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, well you know we're in New York so it's a different
9: conversation here I think it's it 90% reduction in hospitalization and mortality so it's it's really beneficial so what is the covid pill for people that don't know so, so there are two of them right now one called molnupiravir from Merck one called paxlovid from Pfizer the paxlovid we so as a government we got 20 million doses of that right so that was a, a big deal what it does is it makes it so you take that pill within 5 days of getting a covid diagnosis it decreases your likelihood of hospitalization and death. Now, the people who should take it are folks who are at risk for severe disease, so have different chronic conditions, things that put them at increased risk. Um, you know, one of the big things is making sure that right now it takes a while to make those drugs. This drug didn't even exist, wasn't even dreamed up this time last year, so Pfizer is actively making these pills, but in the meantime, we have very few of them. So what New York has done is they said, we're going to prioritize the risk factors that put people at greater risk for severe COVID, one of them being race and ethnicity, right? And that's created a, a storm because everything's politicized, because people take that and they say, oh, now you're discriminating against white people. No, anybody who has a risk factor that puts them at severe risk at risk for severe COVID should have access to these medications. They can save their lives, keep them out of the hospital. So, so I think that this has the potential to be huge because then what we focus on is getting people tested. And that's why we have covidtests.gov and we're getting tests out to people. That's why private insurance is requiring tests. Medicare is getting tested to people. Medicaid is getting tested to people. Making sure people can know whether or not they have COVID and go from there and get the treatment set.
2: Do you, Um. well, I, I know you got to go, but do you Do you think there's power in just simply saying, I don't know?
9: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've been a physician for any period of time, that that's critical. You know, I, my, my barbershop in Charlottesville is called the Barber's Den. And every time I go there, like sit down in the chair, you know how the barbershop mm-hmm. is. They're just like, Cam, I got a question. And people just start, you know, rapid firing around the shop. And what's interesting is so often I'm just like, I don't know the answer to that, right? That inspires confidence. Because okay. then they know that what I'm saying if I tell them something that's factual, they're just like, I trust him because when he doesn't know, he says, I don't know. Right. That's something you have to learn to do. Some people aren't comfortable doing it. But I think that at the end of the day, that's it's critical for, for encouraging, inspiring confidence for people.
2: Especially in this era of, you know, there's always a camera in your face. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're putting somebody on TV every day, they got to say something. Right.
9: So sometimes they can say, I don't know. That's right.
2: That's right. <laughs> well,
5: Dr. Cameron
2: Webb, we appreciate you for
5: joining us and thank you for spitting some facts. For sure, come nice up time anytime, you. man. Will do. All right, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning, the Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne, the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest. Yes, indeed. She uh tried to come a couple of months ago, but her security <laughs> tested positive for COVID. Can you believe it? I yes. can't believe it. <laughs> Who don't <laughs> test positive for COVID? Well. You didn't test positive, but did. did. And then a couple days later, you did. Yes, I did. Oh, my goodness. But you're back. yeah, COVID-free. And Absolutely. welcome,
4: Lunell. Thank you. Looking thank rich as you. hell. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Thank you. Thank How much you. that coat go for? Well, actually, this coat came from the set of Ghost Book 2, Power, oh. when I shot. And um, yeah, I think Mary, I mean, no, it was a gift, sort of. No, I did, really did ask for this one, but I do steal wardrobe but this was not from power. Okay. I think that Mary was supposed to wear it, and she didn't, and it fit me, and I asked for it, and a girl like me, and so I got it. Really? Don't um, be mad power people at the wardrobe people. Well, now
2: they know where it's at, so they'll be asking for it back <laughs> then. That
4: bitch. You <laughs> owe 50 some money now. Well, yes it is now. <laughs> how, how, how have
2: you been, first of all?
4: I've been really, actually, very good. I'm healthy. Okay, That's most important. Yeah, and I'm working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in demand, and um, my family. You know, there's always challenges in family. Mm-hmm. So you know, a little health scares from the folks over here, and a little you know, uh, it's a lot of that going around mm-hmm. with everybody. But other than that, I can't. I really can't complain. Now, how's the concert's been?
5: Because I know a lot of comedians are saying that some of the shows haven't been as packed because some of the venues are making people wear masks or have to be vaccinated. So a lot of people, they said it wasn't like before. So how was it for you going out back there on the road? We haven't had a problem like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you think Cat Williams, Nell who else on that tour? Mark Red, Curry. Mark Curry. Red Grant. You think they got a problem Zoom
5: packing Miller, venues? God, and Thomas, some of the venues they don't allow, you know, packed houses and they make people wear masks. Well, whatever
4: the f*** they're doing, <laughs> <laughs> our audience is doing it. Yes. And doing it well.
2: I, I, I love the community that, you know, you and Cat, and red Because y'all, y'all always go on tour together. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, we were on tour together 15 years ago when mm-hmm. on his first tour, right when people were starting to transition him from Money Mike into the Cat Williams, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And for us to be back on tour together again 15 years later, wow. I don't even know that I've heard of anybody doing that. Wow, You know, and then there's an Oakland connection with all this because Mark Curry's is from Oakland, mm-hmm. like as is Laura Hayes and paul mooney i'm from oakland i met red in oakland and i met cat in oakland wow so we and, and me and Cat been knowing each other since our, we have a kid the same age and uh he's been doing me since my daughter's probably four
2: wow wow mm-hmm. i saw you on the uh the, the, the amazon doctor fat tuesdays yeah the, the era of hip-hop comedy and it talks about how you know black comedians had to form their own community you know when hollywood wasn't given them a look. What, what was what was that experience like in that era?
4: I think that was really empowering because we were not sitting waiting for them. They weren't coming where we were. Mm-hmm. We did our own thing and then they came there. And we were doing it whether they came or not. You know, uh, we were doing it for ourselves. This is comedy with no money, don't forget. There's no such thing as money in comedy at our level. We looked up to Eddie's and stuff like that, but there was no, you know, Guy was coming up, Joe was coming up, Jamie was coming up, DL was coming up. Mm-hmm. We was all coming up through this, like, era. i never been part of an era before. I mean, the sexual 70s, of course, I was there. But I'm talking <laughs> about, you know, professionally. And um, it was really exciting because the hustle was a different type of heat. You know, we didn't have social media. The social media was, you need to see that, much that's right that's right and that was it if somebody told you then you go see them and to see a word of mouth build like that it's like watching the wave at a baseball game you know I was gonna
5: ask you you know you' you
4: you speak with whatever whatever's on your mind and you come from an era where a
5: comedian spoke what's on their mind are you ever nervous about cancel culture do you watch what you say now at
4: all I would be lying if I said I didn't mm-hmm. I don't want to sound cocky but I really sort of can't be canceled because too many people love me. I would have to like molest a child Mm -hmm. or do something really hideous Mm -hmm. to lose all my fans. I got fans from where I used to live and I got fans from when I used to be Girl Scout leader and I got fans Mm -hmm. that's gonna ride with me whatever they say. I've been drugged. You know, I've been drugged in social media before and I find that first of all, you can't be cyber bullied if you don't read the (laughs) That's
2: right. <laughs> Turn your phone up. off. Up.
4: For two days, because usually all scandals only last forty eight hours on to the next scandal. You know, you gotta go on. This is gonna end. It's know? silly
2: to me though, because I feel like man, comedians have a different license than everybody else. Always have, you know, and always should have that. So it's just weird to me when people get mad about things. Comedians.
4: Well, say. first of all, when I say I do think about something, I do think about them, and then I usually go ahead and do whatever the I was gonna do anyway. Because the people who come to see me, they came to see me. They want to know my perspective. They didn't just, I don't, I get new fans every day, but they pale in comparison to the people that have been riding with me for the whole 30 years. That's right. I was gonna ask, are you familiar with the metaverse? You know, I smoke weed, (laughs) and so that's the only verse that I know about. I don't really with the metaverse yet. It's like a fake yet. place, right? Exactly. You know, the the it's
5: Hollywood. But they possibly could start charging people, like if you harass somebody in the metaverse, like if you, hey, smack somebody in the ass or your ass look big or something like that, they can possibly maybe press charge. Okay, I think that, that, to it like?
4: I think that's good because... But it's fake. We have enough pervert. they fake. Listen, that metaverse and this universe is all fake. So, you know, the, <laughs> the point. Uh, <laughs> if I think that we do have to get a grip on all these motherfucking pedophiles and traffickers and mm-hmm. nasty motherfuckers. You gotta be able to have a game that don't end up with somebody maybe f***ing somebody up or f***ing somebody literally. Mm-hmm. You know, get a real f***ing woman, get a relationship, get out of this f- and then you go on there and take your frustrations out on bitches in the street so you go on your metaverse and you smack hoes around and do whatever the f- they do, you know, you, it, yeah, yes, yes. Charge them, mother <laughs> Charge them, stupid. And how much uh, do you smoke? You said you smoke, how much do you smoke? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: gonna tell Wax to give you something. Wax got he got his own line.
4: I oh, tried story, to man. tell Wax to give me something the last time. I ain't talking about that, now I'm talking about <laughs> marijuana. Oh, all right. <laughs> how's, your, how's your husband doing? Um, he's really sick, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, so, you know, having a sick mate teaches you what the real vows are about, that better, worse, richer, poor, sickness yeah, yeah. and the an now. And so I, I'm a woman out here where, where her husband can't travel with me no more. Yeah. And that took a lot out of our relationship because he used to ride with me and ride for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm still there. Uh, we see each other when we can, you know, I'm touring. He can't be at my house because I'm gone. What if something happened to him? So he stays with his daughter and I love my daughter-in-law and so, you know, it's all cool. I just don't get to see him that often. I would love to say that I'm out here trolling and recruiting, but that wouldn't be right to say on television, would it?
2: No, it would not, Lunell, when
4: you have a <laughs> sick husband you at home. Stop it, okay? <laughs> Is
2: he going to get better? Is it something that's going to
4: going. to I okay? don't think so. No, man. Why are you mean. saying like that? First of all, he has a heart monitor. Mm-hmm. He has COPD. That don't get better. I don't better. even know what that is. That's a real bad, like, lung disease. People who well, smoke cigarettes get it. People who smoke crack get it. And people who just, some people just get it, I mm-hmm. guess. This is a terrible lung disease. makes it very difficult. It's on oxygen and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's just real frail. And so, I don't think it's gonna get no better, but his mind and his motherfucking mouth is still working just fine.
2: Damn, Lunella ain't even say, let's pray for him. Like, let's Let's no, he's
4: fine. He's just sick. He's not, like, gonna drop dead any day because we already thought that. And the yeah. mother still <laughs> he, He's <laughs> strong. You know, he ain't going nowhere. Okay. He said his mouth still <laughs> works. Like, yeah. No, because he other that. Like, we've been married 20 years, okay? But we got married in 90 days, so I didn't really know a lot about him when I married him. So, I so just, why did you marry him? We was in love just like that. And y'all been together all these years. Mm-hmm. And where did y'all meet? But not all in a row. Um, <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. Well, first of all, where did y'all meet? We met at a restaurant bar in Sacramento. Okay. And then what you mean you haven't been married 20 years straight? Well, you know, there's periods that we were separated. Mm. Okay? And so, anyway, but we're cool. We're good. We say little sweet stuff to each other all the time. Like, shut the f- up. <laughs> and get the f- off me. I'm hot.
2: You got you a little boo? You got your little...
4: I would never tell you that on f***ing The Breakfast Club. Got you. Man, <laughs> <laughs> <Not on>
2: I'm stupid.
5: <laughs> All right, we have more with comedian Lunell when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with comedian Luna. Charlemagne.
2: I love seeing you on Black TV, Luna. I love seeing you do interviews and I love seeing you be interviewed. And you, you did an interview recently and you talked about the Kardashian... Person, you Kardashian said, Kardashian. she said, Kim is trying to take Kanye's catalog.
4: <laughs> yeah, because what else is it? She's got money of her own. She don't need a dime from that mother. <laughs> her kids, 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 that never need a dime. Mm-hmm. Why would you have? This is just my black ass female opinion. But why, after you've had two success, one baby you carried, one you had to do by surgery, when you had two, why did you press and just? Have to have two more kids with a man that you already know is unstable. Well, he could have been doing the work at
2: the time. He could have been going to a therapist. He could have been on his Why four?
4: You already had two kids. Why four? I think to. it's the more kids, the more that mother catalog is gonna, uh, you gotta divide it with all the kids <laughs> and the Bitches, generational wealth in this mother. Or maybe she just wanted the same kids from the same father. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> what
5: do you think about her new relationship with Pete Davidson? You think, you think that's
4: real? Um, I think she's having a lot of fun with him. He looks like a vampire to me. He's so pale. Mm-hmm. You know, they say he got big ass d- something like that. That's what I've heard in the streets. You heard that in the streets? I heard some word on the street is Pete St. Davidson is hung. Who said that? Like a baby arm. Really? Yup, that's what I heard. I ain't gonna f- them to find out, good luck, Kim. <laughs> yeah. It ain't like she can't take it, for so, God's sake. So hold, <clears throat> so hold on, people have those conversations about people's penises? No, like that. bitches have those kind of conversations. So women just be out there talking about how f- f- yes, being you insane. Insane. Is. yes, Whoa. there's the wet Idris Elba pants picture. It's, there's a bunch of celebrity big rumors and factual out there that we talk about. So maybe that's what it is, right?
2: Because she is a woman who has everything. Has he's had everything? for her. But now got... she just want to have some
4: fun. Yeah, I think that after the last how many times she been married? Five, six. After the last six marriages, I think that that did not work out and were extremely painful. She might be throwing caution to the wind and say f it. This mother makes me laugh. Let me tell you something about comedy, people. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest aphrodisiac and the most charming thing you can do to win any motherfucker over is be funny. You can pull a motherfucker with your humor. I've done it a million times. And (laughs) if you got a big too, God damn. Well, I don't need all that no more let me tell you something. I'm getting very graphic right now. Go ahead. But I'm at an age where I don't need my f-ing uterus tilted to the side. I don't need a goddamn bladder infection. I don't need to be walking funny the next day. I don't need all that sh-t. I've done all that sh-t. I've been there got the pills. Nice, comfortable? Mm-hmm. Comfortable.
2: So so, so what's comfortable? What's a comfortable?
4: Oh, well, you're getting very personal. How big is your Seven
2: inches, three fourths, eight when it's warm. By,
4: Let, let's warm it
2: up. By two and a half Let's, warm it, Girl, let's warm it up. Let's warm it up I mean, and measure it. like no, you summertime. Are,
4: yeah, you're very, very <laughs> bold, Charlamagne. Let's warm, what is Give me a ruler. Let's warm this bitch up and measure it. Let me do it. No, I have a married man, Lunel? You're I not you married, not buried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's seven inches, three, four. Eight winners
4: Seven, that's nice. That's comfortable, right? Yeah.
2: That's what I'm going to start referring to my penis as Comfortable. Nice, comfortable.
4: Comfortable, comfortable is a, that's a winner. Mm-hmm. Because people get, bitch, you know, we're the ones who get gouged the fuck out. Then we got to go to the goddamn doctor. My, every time I pee, my stomach, that's because your uterus is spent the fuck around. I don't need that. Right, right on, Charlemagne. That's right. That's <laughs> comfortable. Right on.
2: Now, now, Instagram took down your Fenty photos?
4: Yes, and the stupid thing was they put them back up. Okay. Because there was an outcry, honey. Rebellion. <laughs> they, they, they took the pictures down, not for, I don't know why they put the pictures down, because if anybody read anything, that was a compilation of pictures which had already been posted, but not in a compilation like that, had already been on the net for like a year. And I, it was the beginning of the year and I was trying to pay homage to people who really made an impact on my life that year. One of those people was Rihanna. I met her on a, a friend, friend, of we got a mutual friend of FaceTimed me and she popped on and she's a comedy fan apparently and um fan of mine and so I said that my daughter was a big fan of her lingerie I said I wish that you made it in larger sizes she said well I do I said you do and she said yeah so I want to be a model she said let's do it and that wow. little and, and so then a couple of days later she dm'd me and asked me for my email I was like oh yeah I And I emailed her back, I mean, sent her my email back. And, uh, you know, a couple days later, contracts started coming, this, that, that. And then you go to a catalog and you pick out the lingerie you want to model. And then they send it to you and then you take pictures and you send them back. They approve. But I tried to keep it classy because, number one, I had already done a penthouse six-page spread. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't bust it open there. I did that real classy. Mm -hmm. You can go online and find it, Lunell Penthouse. The, make a long story short. So what I would have to do is take, take the pictures. You want to show off the part of the lingerie that's cute. Mm-hmm. If it's on the ass, you got to show your ass. If it's on the, you know, hearts and nipples, whatever. Now, the only thing that made me a little uncomfortable is I got four brothers mm-hmm. within, you know, the pervs in my family, pervs in everybody's family. I don't want like my uncle looking at, but you just have to suck it up and, and take that because, you know, your neighbor, you don't know. Who's seen it? But my also I had to take into consideration my daughter. You know, like she was getting that yo Danielle, your mom's like yo, Danelle, your mom, like, yo, yo, mom can yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, a lot came with that. But then there was the check. So. <laughs> it was the check. So. So you wanted to pay homage to uh, Rihanna. Yeah, so I did that and then they took the, I, but I took some of the five like hottest pictures or ten channel, whatever to swipe in and uh, put them all together. I was too much blackness for yeah. that Instagram. Honey, I was shutting him down. And uh, then they <laughs> took it down. Then I went on there and said, mother please. First of all, these are approved by Rihanna. These photos are approved by Rihanna. It's um, advertised for her, this is a goddamn, blah, 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 And they put it back up. It may be back down now, I don't know, but. Have you,
2: have you congratulated her on her pregnancy?
4: I'm dying to. I haven't DM'd her. I may. I feel like she may not be going through her DMs that much right now. But I probably will do that and leave a voice message. Mm-hmm. But even though she watches this, hey Rihanna, I'm so happy that ASAP Rocky is a snack, and I'm very very happy for you. You're beautiful and radiant. I can't wait to see this beautiful chocolate baby.
5: Yay! All right, we have more with comedian Luna when we come back. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, we well, everybody, N.V., well, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy, we are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with comedian Lou Nell. Now, for everybody <laughs> who comes up, we always talk about the, the Mount Rushmore, comedy Mount Rushmore. For me? Yes,
4: ma'am. Mooney? Oh, mm. Richard? Mm. Uh How many motherfuckers on the here? Four? Four? You got two more. Yeah. John Rivers? Mmm.
2: Mm. This is a good one. Yeah. It's a
4: and good one. And actually, with the racism aside, mm-hmm. it still remains for me Roseanne Barr, too. Mm. Really? That bitch beat all the odds. She was white trash. Mm-hmm. She had like five kids. Mm-hmm. She had a loveless marriage. She was a waitress and a diner. She was heavy set. She wasn't classically beautiful, yet she was slaying people in that diner. And that's how she even got noticed. She was everything that Hollywood don't say is what you should be to be successful. And she saved CBS or whatever that station was. I think it was ABC. ABC. She came in there and restructured that whole and took the her. Over
2: The original Roseanne was a great show. I, right. Yeah, the original one.
4: And here's the other ironic thing. Mm-hmm. We had met and became friends. Like, I've got, you know, we got out having dinner and stuff like that. I know her kids. So on the second season, that mm-hmm. would have been after that first season of the new one, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which was still good. The first episode was good. We never saw no more after that because, you know, what happened. But the second season, had it came up, I was going to be her black grandchild's grandmother, because really? TJ, her son, a yeah. long time ago in the first first season, had kissed a black girl. Well, and when they brought it back, he married a black girl, mm-hmm. and they had a child. Really? And I was going to be the kid's grandmother, wow. but you know what happened after that. So, they, have they did bring too. the show back though they called it something else it but a little... she ain't back and I mean they it was her idea not yeah. theirs oh got
2: you got you got you got you mm-hmm. that's a good ass Mount Rushmore man because I think Paul Mooney is very underrated I don't mm-hmm. think they realize how powerful his pin was he's my everything and, he's everything and, and how a lot of Richard's material came from
4: Exactly. Oh. And I can't pass my. You know, I, of course I want to throw in Eddie. Of course I want to throw in my girl, girl Laura Hayes from Oakland. You know, I want to throw in people like that. You said four, that's my four. And Joan Rivers Ooh, fantastic. worked until the day she dropped. She didn't retire. I try to tell people comedians don't retire, we mm-hmm. die. One of my favorite books is uh, Joan Rivers. I, I hate everybody, including myself. <laughs> Joan was a
2: beast, beast.
4: But yo, Phyllis Diller, do you know who that is? Yeah, no Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller wrote a, cro- a, a cookbook one time, and I went and bought it, and it was all empty pages, 125 of them. Are you lying. Empty. What? <laughs> that was a <her> cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> F- bitch sold that shit. I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. You Phyllis cool, Diller cookbook, empty. Were you was cool with Joan? Uh, I never met Joan River. Okay, okay. I tried very hard. It, I really, really respected her. You said you grew up in the, se- the, what's it called? The sexual 70s? Sexual 70s. Why they call it the sexual 70s? Because of the
2: drugs. Was that the
4: hippie era? Yeah. I mean, that's more 60s, I think. Okay, okay. The 70s was, you know, just people smoking a lot of weed. We didn't have the good weed like we got now, Yeah. but we did have some sh- called tie stick back in the day. So what? <sighs> what tie stick? stick? It was sort of brownish, mm-hmm. not so green. And it used to have like a little thread wrapped around it and I swear to God, it tastes like candy when you smoke mm-hmm. it. Beautiful high, it was just adorable. Everybody loved it. So
2: you mean, to tell? so all of us, if you're born in the 70s, you probably, we was products of that sexual 70s.
4: Yeah, there was mushrooms, we ate a lot of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. There was, I never took a Quaalude or anything. I I was on the speed. Benny's and your mom's diet pills and shit like that and running track. In a uh, performance enhancing drug, and um, <laughs> yo, I'm pissed about that too, but I'll get to that anyway. Right. Um, you know, it, and the LSD, uh, mescaline that was the shit I liked, you know. Mescaline, what is that? Mescaline, I had the, I used to take this called purple, purple microdot. You see the inside of this hole, how tiny that is? Yeah, that's how tiny a purple microdot or orange sunshine was. You take that, bitch and honey, you know how how it feels to go up a escalate, uh, uh, Roll coaster. roller coaster huh? and then go down. Yeah. Imagine going up that fast. Damn. Wow. Yee. I remember dancing the groove line like for like, it felt like two hours. Damn. And you never had no crazy effects? No I crazy never guys? had a bad trip on nothing. Really? Except that motherf- cocaine. <laughs> cocaine a yeah. hell of a drug.
2: The 70s was pure cocaine though, right? That organic one, not
5: the GMO. Nigga. So what
4: happened to your, your, your trip in the, in the, in the cocaine? no um you know uh i was there for when when the free base started you know crack yeah no crack was later The okay. free base was taken like uh you i think it was ether they used to use to dip like your cotton swab into it and burn because it burns real clean and you don't get like if you had a lighter up to a glass and they get black in city 151 rum is what you would dip that in, and then they had some kind of ether concoction they used to, to rock it up in before the baking soda and the water. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that part. I'm baking soda. I could rock up a, a, a rock right now. You don't forget it. It's just like, you know, <laughs> riding a bike. I, 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 I would never because it is totally the devil. I only have four regrets in my life. And that is, I never met Tupac. Oh, mm-hmm. three regrets. Mm-hmm. I never met Tupac. I never got to go to Studio Fifty Four. And that I ever, ever, ever touched cocaine. It's like the devil. You was on it for a while, or just? Well, there's. I mean, not the rock so much, mm-hmm. but there was just a lot of powder around. It was like everybody had it at right? the club. We had clubs that used to sell until six o'clock in yeah. the morning. In the bar called Silks. Silks was like the Studio Fifty Four but not so disco and i've been stayed up until six o'clock in the morning well how you gonna dance at six o'clock in the morning on cocaine like this that's right living <laughs> like that wow. in studio 54 where, that was in new york mm-hmm.
2: why what, what was i hear people talk about it what was the allure there
4: well it was like the disco era and the cocaine madness it was everywhere and um disco was real fun back then and then it was the place to be because I don't know, Steve Rubell and his partner were really connected some kind of way and they had all the stars wanted to come there because it was had the best music, had the best dope, had the be- most beautiful people, and had a lot of sex going on and they had musical stars and everybody, you know, Andy Warhol, Michael Jackson, Elizabeth Taylor, Bianca Jagger rode through the mother on a white horse. I heard mm-hmm. in the club and it was just wild and fun debauchery and stuff like that but you know all good things it was must our, come it to was an it our end.
5: tunnel so like our tunnel was big and all the artists that rappers came in yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was that for, for Studio 54 that's
2: crazy you know how popping in a club gotta be for you to know about it and you wasn't even here
4: I, I tried my very best but I was so young I wasn't traveling then Yeah. so but yeah all that, not only that they got documentaries about mm-hmm. Studio 54 extensive ones and the the rise and the fall of it, mm-hmm. because you ended up, you know, the feds came and got the mother they had so much money, and they were mm-hmm. it off and just, you know, mm-hmm. being reckless and didn't do their I taxes.
2: Like, I feel like when we had Paul Mooney up here, God bless the dead, he, he said he saw me in there. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't no age being no Studio 54. You no. wasn't born. I know that. Didn't he say that? With well, you know, Mooney say any goddamn just, thing? You make say. you start thinking about it. Was that it? No, I wasn't there. <laughs> well, you know, we never put that interview out. We interviewed Paul Mooney way, way back in the day. We never Why don't put you it out. do a flashback and then drop it? Um, I don't, i mean, we listen, I, I like Paul Mooney. I've seen Paul Mooney. I've seen him make people walk out of shows, but for that morning, he was really in a
4: mood. Abrasive? Yeah. So yeah he, was, on, he was on one. So oh, yeah. So I just remember like, like, I don't want to put Paul out there in that light.
2: Okay. We got it. I mean, we got it in the archive.
4: Send it to me I will,
2: actually. Well,
4: Lunel go. oh, got to go, she got to go. Oh, my bad good. damn, Lunel got to go do Nick oh, f- yeah, Well, Tank, be has been kind of in-depth and sh- like that. Well, thank you thank for you talking Lunell. about
2: us. Crack, hoeing. That's going to be your cookbook. <laughs> like, right, <bro. laughs> take right. Give me your Twitters and Instagrams and all that good okay, stuff. Okay,
4: Instagram, at Lunell L-U-E-N-E-L-L. My um, website is heylunelle.com. H e y l u e n e l l dot com. You'd be surprised, Charlamagne, how many people get the spelling of hey wrong. Like, no, <laughs> not hey, let the horse eat. And then, um,
2: oh, you say you was mad about the track too?
4: Oh yeah, about Takari Richardson okay. being kicked the f- out oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. after Mama died, and mm-hmm. she got busted with some weed, and this other bitch is gonna uh, got busted with a a, a a performance enhancing drug in her, and they are gonna let her run. F- that f- that's wrong. That's right. wrong. That's wrong.
5: They said the other one is uh, underage, so they, it's a loophole in it. But that's, that a that's
4: bitch is a white loophole, <laughs> right. white one. You right? That's, that's the loophole. Right. You right? That's right. Don't give. See, that's why I'm glad some water, water. <laughs> it's Lunell. <laughs> it's the Breakfast Club.
5: Good morning.
0: The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same.
5: Tonight is the highly anticipated new CW series, All American Homecoming. Rising tennis star Simone Hicks takes the next step by leaving the man she loves to begin her new life at Bringston University, where black excellence is a way of life. There, she meets up with the elite baseball player from Chicago, Damon Sims. He turned down a career in pro baseball to help the HBCU battle its way back to greatness. Don't miss All American. Homecoming tonight at 9 8 Central on CW or stream free tomorrow on CW app. Hey, Charlemagne, say
3: the
1: game. don't get other. Charlemagne, you
2: are a donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. <laughs> donkey of the Day does not discriminate. I might not have the song of the day, but I got the Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, <laughs> man, hit me with the ego. ho uh, yes. it's a breakfast club, bitches. Who's Donkey of
1: the
3: Day today?
2: Well, Ed Sheeran, uh, Donkey of the Day goes to the over 40 people who got to scrapping in a Golden Corral last Friday in Bensalem. That's how you pronounce it, Eddie? Bensalem? Bensalem. Bensalem. Ben Salem is right outside of Philadelphia. First things first, though, drop on the clues bombs for Golden Corral, okay?
7: Mm-hmm.
2: I was talking to uh, our producer Taylor, Taylor, this morning. Who's she's one of our producers. She's from Philly. Uh, I believe she was involved in this situation. I was watching the video. What? Listen, I was watching the video and I really think I saw her. And when I asked her about it, she didn't deny being there. She just tried to throw me off by saying, I don't like Golden Corral. You a damn lie. First of all, women from Philly love buffets. Okay, love them. All right, second of all, how can you not love Golden Corral? Drop another clues bomb for Golden Corral. It's people listening to me right now, headed to Golden Corral for that buffet breakfast, okay? Might be the best buffet breakfast in the business as far as chain restaurants are concerned, okay? I'm 43 years old. I done ate at them all, baby, all right? Some of them don't even exist no more. From Ryan's, the Shoney's, the Western Sizzling, the Sizzler's, Old Country Buffet, all slapped. Oh, old Country Buffet. Come on damn. now, oh, come man. on now.
5: Sizzler, there is no more Sizzler?
2: I don't know. Uh, but they all slapped at one point or another, but none of them touching Golden Corral, okay? Right now, Golden Corral Omelette Station still slaps, all right? The waffles, the cinnamon rolls, the biscuits, the pancakes, the French toast, the grilled corned beef hash. Nigga, what is you talking about, okay? Assorted yogurts, donuts. Mm. It's an elderly couple headed to Golden Corral right now hearing me talk, and they saying Mm. right on, okay? Mm. They got what you want at Golden Corral. From healthy to man, I'm high as hell. How much meatloaf and mashed potatoes can I eat, okay? My fat ass done jumped to dinner. All right? <laughs> you know I'm trans fat. I'm about 178 pounds right now, but I identify as someone on my 600-pound life. But let me stick to the story. There was a fight, okay, at Golden Corral. A fight, an all-out brawl. I'm talking about 40 people. It really looked like the royal rumble in there. Chairs were flying, big bodies banging into each other. I swear I saw Mark Henry going head up with Rakishi and Golden Corral in this video. Vince McMahon would be proud. But what would make a brawl of 40 people break out at a Golden Corral? You probably already know the answer. Let's go to CBS 3 News for the report, please.
0: Well, I talked to a man who posted that video online. He says he was told that fight broke out after the buffet here ran out of steak. Video shared with Eyewitness News shows punches being thrown and high chairs flying as a fight breaks out inside the Golden Corral in Ben Salem Friday evening. Mm. Ben Salem Police confirmed the brawl may have involved more than 40 people and happened following an argument among some customers. This man who used to work at the Ben Salem Golden Corral says he was told by a current employee about the initial altercation. From what I heard, it was over stake. Apparently somebody cut in line. His friend heard the same details. There was a shortage of steak. Take a close listen and a man can be heard saying, all I wanted was some steak. All he wanted was some steak, steak, man. That's all he wanted. Listen,
2: listen, we got more eyewitnesses. Alexis Rios was an eyewitness. He was on the line. Go, 6ABC News. Alexis Rio says it started over a
1: misunderstanding regarding a piece of steak. Come on, Rio says the person in front of him became angry with the cook because Rios received his steak first.
0: He's trying to understand what you want. He's trying to
1: give you what you want. I had a rare steak, which is a lot faster to cook than a well-done steak. Very That's much. why I got my steak first. Next thing you know, he says, that misunderstanding erupted into an
0: all-out brawl. Mm. I
4: grabbed a chair to defend myself, and then sooner or later, that was it. Punches were getting thrown. Chairs were getting thrown. You name it. You
0: can call it cups, glasses, everything. You name mm. it.
2: These folks got to fighting because the buffet ran out of steak. Now, let me tell y'all something. This isn't no Golden Corral commercial. I don't know anyone who works, that works there. This is something I'm saying out of the goodness of my heart and the fatness of my thoughts. There might not have been no steak left, but I can't sit here and say I go to Golden Corral for the steak. There's a lot of other proteins in that dinner buffet that I thoroughly enjoy. Number one on that list, I mentioned it before, that tasty meat meatloaf. Okay, with some mashed potatoes and corn, now we eat okay? There might not have been no steak left, but what about those golden fried shrimps? Huh? Come on now, y'all fighting over one protein at a buffet? A buffet? Golden Corral, there's unlimited options for everybody. They got bourbon street chicken. They got fried chicken. They got fried fish, baked fish, pot roast. They got carved bone-in turkey. they got Pot pies! Golden Corral has pot pies, all right? There's too much there for y'all to choose from for y'all to be fighting over steaks. See, the problem is y'all didn't eat enough yeast rolls before you went to work on the buffet. You have to eat at least one, no more than two yeast rolls at the buffet and drink it with a glass of water. Because when you eat the yeast roll and drink the water, it expands in your stomach and keeps things like steak shortages from ruining your experience. Okay, it keeps things like that from happening because when your stomach is full, okay, you won't eat as much. Now, I know y'all might think I'm joking 95 percent of the time. okay, but you have to understand what places like Golden Corral mean to some individuals right now. I feel pure innocence thinking of Golden Corral. It makes me feel warm inside because those are moments I remember as a child with my family. Okay, Golden Corral offers a sense of comfort, a sense of peace that I don't want to see disturbed by a group of individuals fighting over steak. I heard pain in that man's voice during that fight. Listen, man. All he wanted was some steak. Okay, okay. Play it one more time, Red. You know what I heard when he said that? I heard all my life I had to fight. Okay, that is a brother that is tired, exhausted, life kicking his monkey ass, and all he wanted was some steak. And yet he comes to this place of comfort called Golden Corral and ends up in a buffet-fueled brawl for what? For what? He didn't even get the opportunity to get to the soft surf. Okay, we ain't even talking about the soft serve. The ice cream cones with the vanilla and chocolate soft serve. Okay, they got all kind of candy toppings and hot fudge. Oh, my God, man. The, the, The carrot cake, the assortment of cookies, the cupcakes, the banana pudding, the fudge brownies. Man, stop playing with Golden Corral and stop playing in Golden Corral. Okay, learn the rules next time or stay your ass home. When you get there, eat a damn yeast roll. Okay, depending on your size, eat three or four, drink some water, okay? So you don't eat up all the food, all right? And every Golden Corral vet knows the point of the buffet is variety, okay? Assortments. You don't go eating up, okay, one thing. You try everything to save something for the next man, all right? The reality is they probably didn't have no steak because beef is in short supply in a lot of places, okay? Supply chain disruptions are real. But the moral of the story is this. You know who's going through a lot right now? Literally everybody. So just be kind. Please give those 40 folks who got the banging in the Golden Corral the biggest hee. <coughs>
0: and
3: I got
2: a feeling Taylor was there. You want to play again? Nope.
0: <laughs> the Breakfast Club.
5: Everybody, is DJ Envy Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building.
2: Yes, indeed.
5: Uh, he is my tax attorney, uh, Eric Lee. Welcome, Eric.
8: Good morning. Good morning, everyone.
2: Who is uh, Eric Lee?
5: Well, before we start, let me tell you how I met Eric. Mm-hmm. So, I was having some uh, tax issues and some tax problems. Uh, I think a lot of us, sometimes we do, and that's because we come from places where we honestly don't know how the correct way to do taxes Mm -hmm. or how to set up our businesses, and I didn't, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was uh, lost and confused. I reached out to a couple of uh, accountants and tax attorneys who guided me wrong, and I was stuck uh, to the point where most people don't know where the IRS actually put a lien on my passport. No. Yes, and I couldn't travel. I couldn't move, and I didn't know, and it was... And it was nothing I can do. It wasn't the fact that I owed the money. I was going back and forth with them and they were doing things that I didn't think was right. And um, a friend of mine named Steph told me that he had a friend that had a friend and I reached out to Eric and Eric came and he worked my ish out. And the reason he's here today is because I know tax season is right around the corner and there's so many people that need help with their taxes and just don't know don't, what to do and, or how to do it. So I was like, why don't you come up and try to break down a lot of the things that you do that maybe you can help people like you
2: actually helped me. Break it down, Eric. I want to know how you how you saved Envy's ass. Well, don't say how you
5: saved my
8: yeah. ass, but you definitely <laughs> saved my ass. Well, I mean, you know, it's definitely been an interesting journey, Envy, mm-hmm. right? And what we actually need to consider, especially for your listeners, right? Mm-hmm. The people who make sixty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars or less, you know, it's like the various deductions that came in last year under the Biden administration mm-hmm. that most people forget about most people actually never even heard about these things right? mm-hmm. for example many of your listeners if they have children all right under the age of 17 they should be getting three hundred dollars a month last year all right yeah that's a
2: child tax credit
8: that's a child tax credit. okay okay well mansion's in charge right now the senate mm-hmm. right we mm-hmm. probably don't have that right now so it's two thousand dollars this year but last year it was three thousand mm-hmm. dollars for children under seven six to 17 Kids less younger than six, it was 3,600.
5: Now, what about right. if somebody has six kids? Up to how many kids?
8: Infinite amount. Really? Okay. But but that's the nice credit. That's everything that everyone hears about, Charlemagne. Sure, mm-hmm. All right. But envy, the big one, this is the one that people don't know about, mm-hmm. okay, is the dependent care credit. The that? dependent care credit is if you have children who you need to actually drop off at daycare or summer school, whatever. Mm-hmm some place that you need to have your kids at when you need to go to work, all right? That is $8,000 to $16,000. $16,000 for expenses. On on your tax returns? 2021. Really? 2021, all right? And this is something that is so important for our listeners, $16,000. We always talk about how expensive childcare is, right? The Biden administration got something, right? They gave us $16,000 for each, or the dependent care credit, mm-hmm. right? Your listeners need to take advantage of that.
5: What what qualifications do you need to get that sixteen thousand to make sure that you know our listeners are able to get it? So this is this year's tax return, which is due when? Uh April. April. April fifteenth. A- April fifteenth. So what, what are the qualifications to get you know that amount of money for that? And De- what is it called again?
8: Dependent care credit. Dependent right. care credit, huh? Uh the dependent must be thirteen years or younger unless um they cannot physically or mentally Take care of themselves. Okay. All right. You also have to they have to live with you for fifty-one percent of the time. Now, this is also not just when we think about just kids, all right. If I'm taking care of my parents Mm -hmm. and they follow fall within the same criteria, it's also eight to sixteen thousand dollars dependent. All right. So it's also a misnomer when we think it's only for children. All right. So it's a valuable item, right? Your listeners just probably got sixteen thousand dollars.
5: So wait a minute. So if I'm if I have
8: a kid and it's per kid? No no up, no up to two up to two yeah the first one is eight. Two, three, four, five, whatever is 16. and then also like so
5: i know a lot about our listeners a lot of people out there they have their their mother's living with them or their father's living with them and they're taking care of their mother and father so they can get that under the dependent act as well
8: yes if um they actually have a facility that also help with them as well
5: now yeah. a lot of people always ask you know they, they work at nine to five mm-hmm. and they get taxes taken out of their check what write-offs can they do if they if they already work in a on to five, they already take taxes out. How can they get more money back or write more things off, if possible? What do they need to set up? Do they need to set up a corporation, an S corp, a LLC? Do they? Need, how do they write off their gas? How did like how how do they
8: do that to get more money back? Well, I hate to be a lawyer with you guys, but it kind of depends, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of mm-hmm. depends because I don't want anyone to be just setting up a corporation just to get a tax deduction because that doesn't make any sense. You're throwing away thousands and thousands of dollars to get a tax deduction of maybe 37 percent that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. all right what does make sense is actually going through your sources of income and finding out what your income is right if it's just w-2 wages all right then we may need to actually set up a retirement account like an ira or 401k you know go to morgan stanley go to merrill lynch whatever and set one up right it doesn't take you very long Okay, if it's interest income, we need to determine: Do you actually need the income, or can you actually transform that income? Mm-hmm. All right, maybe you want to change it into a municipal bond. Right, some of our older listeners, you know, who are retirees, they may have like a bunch of savings income, interest income. Right, so then they should change it into something that's non-taxable. Mm-hmm. All right, capital gains. Maybe you don't sell your stock, or maybe you transform it into a um, what is called a dividend reinvestment plan, all right? So if you're getting, for example, dividends from Microsoft, $3 a year or whatever it is, right? You can change it where you don't get that $3, you actually get stock in Microsoft, and that is not taxable. Mm-hmm. So it really does depend on the client and the situation.
2: What, what, what are the top five things you can't write off?
8: Because I think that's- the, You know, that, that's a great question, okay? Yeah. Some people, some clients will say like, hey, I have all these clothes, I have this chain, right? Can I write this off? Mm-hmm. The rule is ordinary and necessary business expense. All right, first of all, it has to be a business expense. Second of all, you have to have income. If you don't have income, you don't have expenses. So when people say like, all right, can I buy a car and just write this off Charlemagne?" right? Well, first of all, is it necessary and is it ordinary? All right, what type of business do you have? If I buy a Rolls Royce, Mm -hmm. right, that's probably not necessary, Mm -hmm. but in some situations it may be, Mm -hmm. right? So so it goes down this path of, like, what is necessary. Yeah.
5: All right, we have more with Eric Lee when we come back. Tax season is right around the corner. If you need some help, some information, well, Eric Lee will help you out when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with tax attorney Eric Lee. Now, tax season's right around the corner, and he'll help you get
2: some extra money. Charlemagne. How did the tax code hurt uh, low- and middle-class families?
8: There are two examples. I want to give you two examples, right? First example is let's look at interest, right? My parents don't have much money, right? They open an account at Citibank. They put in $1,000. They get some interest income, right? Mm -hmm. That is taxed at ordinary income up to 37%, okay? Up to 37% federally. Let's not even talk about the state, Mm -hmm. okay? 37%. If they get dividends, they go on Robinhood, open up an account, Right. Mm -hmm. Dividend income is taxed at most 23.8%. So you have a swing of 14%. All right. Who has dividends in America? The wealthy. The rich, yeah. Right. Who has interest income? More likely retirees. Mm -hmm. More likely poor people, you know, who need to open up just something like a savings account. Why would the code change that? Because there's really no difference between interest income and dividend income, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's easier to open a Robinhood account than it is to open a savings account in Bank of America, right? So that's one thing. Look at the meals that we're talking about. Charlemagne, when you take your kids out, right? Not tax deductible. But if you have a business, why? Why would that be tax deductible? Mm -hmm. You know? So these are like very, very Mm -hmm. simple things. But then there are policy things to your question, right? In the 50s and 60s, there were significant tax credits and deductions for setting up multifamily households. Okay. Now those are done. Mm -hmm. Now the tax credits and deductions are for setting up these McMansions, right? So our shift in housing has gone into larger homes away from the multifamily homes that we Mm. need in places like New York, all right? So you see this throughout the code, all right? And this is no slam against the IRS. 73,000 people work at the IRS. They're actually pretty overworked. There are 15, sorry, there are 16,000 people who work at the phone banks in the IRS. And when you call the IRS, Charlemagne, you're always on hold. You're on hold for <laughs> hours. Envy, you talk about your passport thing? Mm-hmm. That was hours of just being on hold. 16,000. Do you know how many calls they get a year? 240 million calls.
5: Is it is it true the IRS was created to help the people? And then it changed where it's like more of a government thing at na- now? Yeah.
8: yeah, I mean you know, when we think about like what taxes were for, right? It was for education, it was for health and maintenance of society, mm-hmm. right? But now it's just become an organ and it's become kind of like a political entity and almost kind of like a kicking bat, you know, like people just like kick it now, mm-hmm. you know and it's become this like organization that has to just interpret this behemoth. D- the Internal Revenue Code Actually, probably nine times the size of King James Bible. Damn. Nine times. Who the hell can read all that? Nobody can. Nobody can. So you don't even know what's in there. No, like I mean, if you're asking me, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I know my corporations, mm-hmm. right? I know my transfers, corporate reorgs, I know tax planning, right? But if you ask me, like, hey, estate planning, hey, my mom has, yeah, you know, yeah, so many millions. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that section. Mm-hmm. I don't know that section that well. Right. I have to rely on my partner, Christina Peraza, mm-hmm. who knows how to reduce people's income, you know, uh, for estate planning. So nobody, anyone who says they know every part of the tax code, there's no possible way. Is there
5: a way not to pay taxes? Like, you know, I know at one time. They That's in said, the tax
2: code. We got to read it.
5: it. Is a chapter. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is there any way not to pay taxes? I don't know. Maybe if, if you were Native American, you know, you don't have to pay. Is there any truth to any of that?
8: No. No, 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 no. The
5: Native Americans gotta pay 10 oh, No, I
8: mean you gotta you gotta pay you gotta pay where your income is sourced. All right. So even people who say like, hey, move to Nevada, move to Florida, move to Texas, move to Puerto Rico, right? Mm-hmm. I have a client who um knock on wood, you know, is gonna be a Bitcoin billionaire. Right. All right. And everybody in the Bitcoin industry is like, oh, just move to Puerto Rico so then you can avoid all your taxes. I've heard that before. Right. No, because, or make sure your servers in Israel or something like that, you know, to avoid your taxes. Absolutely not, right? You have to pay your fair share, all right, of where the income is sourced, all right? But where those people actually minimize or lower their taxes is to implement certain vehicles to get them from 37%, where we were talking about for like interest income, down to 23.8 in dividends. Kind of like how Mitt Romney did it, you know, with hedge fund money, right? So that's how people reduce their taxes.
2: And I'm not gonna lie though, if We did live in like a Florida or New York, man, that would save us so much money because New York state taxes be kicking ass.
8: 100%, so, you know, man, you that's got- a,
2: that's about how much they take.
8: You, you got, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got 10.9% state, mm-hmm. and then if you live in the city, it's what, three three point 3.876, mm-hmm. right? California, 13.3, uh, New Jersey's 10.75, right? So yeah, you have to go to Texas. you got to go to Florida, right? Some people say that. Some retirees, some retirees will say like, hey, um, how do I avoid all my state income tax? Well, you have to move to Florida. But the thing is, you actually have to move to Florida. You actually have to live there for like 183 days, right? And that's may not be as easy as you think, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
5: I was gonna ask, you know, there's a lot of people buying houses right now during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Uh, Interest rates are low. Uh, It seems like people are giving money. How can you make sure that, well, first of all, after you buy a house, can you write off anything in the house at the end of the year? And also, is there any way to get any type of tax returns for buying that house? Because you buy a house, now you got to pay taxes at the end of the year, you're broke. So is there anything that you can do to write any of that stuff off?
8: Yeah. So your property taxes Mm -hmm. will be part of your itemized deductions. That's a tax deduction. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your mortgage interest is a tax deduction. All right. So those are the two key ones. All right. Now let's talk about your house, right? Are you using it for a business purpose, right? Mm-hmm. If I have an office. Yeah, home office deduction, all right. Uh, if you have a business, right, maybe you instead of taking a home office deduction, you should have some shareholder meetings in there, mm-hmm. right? And that could reduce some of your business income. And then it would also then um, serve as a deduction for you, depending on how the business is formed.
5: All right, we have more with Eric Lee when we come back. Tax season is right around the corner. If you need some help, some information, well, Eric Lee will help you out when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.
0: The Breakfast Club.
5: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with tax attorney Eric Lee. Now, tax season's right around the corner, and he'll help you get some extra money. Charlemagne. How do student loans affect people's taxes?
8: So, uh, Great question. Um, it depends if you make less than $70,000, make sure, make sure you speak with your tax preparer because you get a $2,500, um, tax deduction. Mm-hmm. If you make more than $70,000 up to around 80,000, it does phase out. Meaning it, it reduces. What
2: about people who just bought a new home? How did, how did they get a higher return?
8: Again, it would depend on home mortgage interest as well as property taxes. And in uh, some of the things that we were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a business, then maybe you need to um, utilize your house within the business.
5: You know, when it comes to the, the administration, the presidential mm-hmm. administration, what helps people more when it comes to money as far as saving? Is it the uh, Democrats or the Republicans? You know, because you hear a lot of businessmen saying, oh, I want Trump because Trump does better for business owners. And mm-hmm. then you hear uh, other people say, no, no, no. Biden is going to help the people that need it more. So. What what are your thoughts on as far as helping people and writing things off and for small business owners and, and regular people?
8: So I live in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we always hear about the corruption in Illinois and and how bad potholes are, the mm-hmm. school system, and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the end of the year, uh, my husband and I were very fortunate. We're very fortunate. We live a blessed life. I mean, I'm in the Breakfast Club. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Right. And we always try to make deductions at the end of the year, charitable deductions to reduce our taxes. Right. right. But there's something I do where I look up the zip code where we live. We live in Oak Park and we look for what the schools actually need. So teachers actually put up these projects. They ask for donations. Right. Every year, invariably, we get people, teachers who ask us for juice boxes, crayons, toilet paper. Mm hmm. We have teachers who are asking us for toilet paper. What country do we live in? Okay. And when we hear about wasting taxes, when we talk about that, okay, hold that aside. I have students who don't have toilet paper. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Right. But in wealthier neighborhoods in Chicago, they're literally giving out iPads to their kids. That's true. All right. So when you're talking about... Who's better, Republicans or Democrats? You know, I have to be agnostic about that. All right. But what I need to know is the listeners need to make sure that they call in, that they are actually educated, that they actually make sure that the senators and congresspeople are actually making sure that there is that dependent care credit for this year.
2: That's so real what you said, because it doesn't matter who's in uh, office. It's like the poor always suffer.
8: Yeah, or even if they're a provision Charlemagne, mm-hmm. they need to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, you guys have this amazing platform, right? But I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who did not know about the Dependent Care Credit, or even the Child Tax Credit, To be right. fair. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we're seeing the poor always suffers 100%. But when they even get something, they may not know it's yeah, available.
5: Yeah, that's yeah and, and the reason I wanted to bring you on is because, you know, we always talk about... Um, I always say servicing our life, right? We'll, we'll, we'll take our, co- our car to get an oil change. We'll take our car to get tires. We'll take, you know, there's so many different things, but we have to make sure that as a person we're taking care of, right? And whether it's going to the doctor, whether it's having a will, whether it's having an accountant, uh, an attorney, things that you know that we, use, that we need. Um, and now I call you all the time. I don't care if I'm buying a, a car, a piece of jewelry, a T-shirt, if I'm taking a trip, I call them because I want to know the best way to write it off or the best way to pay for it. And you're always there to help me. So I just wanted to say thank you. And hopefully, you. you know, you gave some thank you. some insight to people out there of why they need a good accountant. And sometimes that fast food accountant services might not be beneficial to you and it might be actually hurting you. So I just want you guys to take a look into that and make sure you have a great tax attorney that can look into your stuff and help you on your journey because a lot of us have journeys and you know he's part of this journey with me so i just wanted to say thank you word now if you, people want to get in touch with you. i know you're not really taking clients but i know <laughs> if they wanted maybe you have a good they have a question or whatever it may be uh how can they get in contact with you or, or, or your uh, your firm
8: yeah um go to our website at playersmanagementgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, players p-l-a-y-e-r-s M-G-M-T group, .com.
5: Now with, with business, now mm-hmm. what do you suggest for people that have a, a company? LLC, S-Corp, what's best, what's better, why they should use each one? Because a lot of people don't know the difference between an LLC and an S-Corp and what, and what they should use it for.
8: A hundred percent, you know, or even C-Corps, mm-hmm. right? And that really depends because each one of the, there are, there are primarily six entities out there, mm-hmm. right? You could be a sole proprietorship. I just, you know, do an Uber thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I can be a little bit more sophisticated, form an LLC, I could form an S Corporation, I could form a C corporation. Charlemagne and I can open up a coffee store, right? Mm -hmm. That becomes a general partnership by default. Mm -hmm. Right. Each one of these have their own benefits. Okay. But each one of them have their own weaknesses. All right. A good attorney or a good CPA would probably tell you to actually have them all if possible. Because there are certain provisions within the S-Corporation, certain benefits that do not apply to the C-Corporation, okay? So, for example, if I'm an employee at an S-Corporation, certain benefits that I have as a shareholder employee, I can't take. I can't take it. But if I'm an employee of the C-Corporation, I can take those deductions, okay? Uh, For example, health insurance, right? The company can actually deduct that if... Um, I'm an employee of a C corporation, if I'm an employee of an S corporation, I can't deduct that, okay? So you may need a comprehensive plan where you actually set all those things up in place.
5: Gotcha, all right. Well, Eric Lee, I appreciate you for joining us. very informative, brother. It's The Breakfast Club, good morning.
8: Envy, thank you so
0: much. The Breakfast Club, your mornings will never be the same.
5: Tonight is the highly anticipated new CW series All-American Homecoming. Rising tennis star Simone Hicks takes the next step by leaving the man she loves to begin her new life at Bringston University, where black excellence is a way of life. There she meets up with the elite baseball player from Chicago, Damon Sims. He turned down a career in pro baseball to help the HBCU battle its way back to greatness. Don't miss All-American Homecoming tonight at 9, 8 central on CW or stream free tomorrow on CW app.
0: BPR fmhd One New York, an iHeart
6: Radio station.
1: Let me put a little bit of the Breakfast Club up in your
0: lifestyle. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God.
5: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building, the That's chairman right. and CEO of One United Bank,
7: owner and owner. That's right, Kevin <laughs> Kobe. Welcome. What's up? How How's you doing, it doing, brother? Man, it's good to see you, cats. man. I haven't seen you in a while, and it always warms my heart to hang out with you. You're such a source of inspiration to all of us. So no, you are as well. We so appreciate you and everything you do. You Absolutely. are as
5: well. So we want to know what's new. I know there was well, we let, the let them, came t- here. Tell them what
7: One United Bank is for us. Just, just give them a reminder. If they don't OK, know. a reminder. One United Bank is the largest black-owned bank in America. There you go. What makes it special is this financial technology platform it has built the technology to have a nationwide customer base and to provide all the modern financial services that we has come to expect out of day-to-day life things like venmo cash app and being able to use those kind of services plus unique things we created that are special for the black community and people who have limited resources things like two-day early pay it's a big deal people to be able to get their paycheck two days early as an example that's a one United Bank program things like cash please and this is a big one because it was a black company that introduced it if people are saying it's one it's possibly a solution to payday lending Mm. and that's that's one our product it allows a person to get a a short-term small balanced loan which we often find ourselves needing in times of emergency and being able to do that without relying on traditional credit kind of mechanisms. So mm-hmm. so if you think of One United Bank as a bank that is a technology company, something that has the actual ability to organize black America and its allies on a national basis and not just to provide them you know, with financial services and products, but to lead to actual important changes in society something that has the ability to create a power base for us to give us the actual power to do things like affect racism in our society we do things like conduct anti-racism programs in a unique kind of way that can affect overall society we do things like financial literacy programs that teach and communicate with black people in a way that we understand
5: so now, for people who are trying to buy home, mm-hmm. is uh, how can is One United Bank first of all open open for business? So they are are lending.
7: Man, what, we're absolutely open for business, and 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 we're on and we're popping. And any large base will tell you that they don't have the technology that we have. They don't have the ability to deliver services and products like we have in many ways because we have a new technology infrastructure. We weren't locked into old systems that have grown less effective over time. So, as the institution, since we started this journey together, mm-hmm. since we became friends many, many years ago, the dream is becoming a reality what what we all wanted to happen just like the you guys have grown the breakfast club has grown one united bank has grown it, it is an example of black excellence it can organize us as a people to create change that we've been trying to get since the end of slavery i didn't like that question you asked
2: what you trying to make it seem like they can't <laughs> give our loans to people because they're a black bank what, 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 what did you mean by that sir
5: I wanted to make sure that they're able to satisfy all the loans that people are coming in and asking for.
2: Why well, wouldn't they be able to?
7: That's
5: what I'm asking. I know at one time when they first started, they, they were minimal to a certain amount. So that's why I'm
7: asking. Is right. that true? Well, it, it, it's it's true with any company. The companies go on journeys and they become stronger over time. That's the key. And-, and you know, look. You know, I know NBA. And, and, and you gotta watch and these and, Dominicans when it comes to black <laughs> on stuff,
2: you, you gotta watch them, Don't Kevin. All right, you gotta we, watch we, them, respect. Kevin. And I was gonna ask okay. you,
5: too, what, what about uh, cannabis? I know a, a lot of uh, minorities are getting into cannabis, and a Absolutely. lot of banks are not allowing them to actually have their money there. How is
7: one guy well, to bank with that? Now, now, let's be clear. It's not. It's not the banks. Banks want to do it. It's the government. Mm-hmm. You see, when we're we're, we're we're we operate on a national basis, and when you're doing things that cross state lines then you got to deal with the law when it comes to things like that we think that black business is fundamentally changing and there's a whole new opportunity set that is critically important that that we understand cannabis is one aspect of aspect of it but the bigger phenomenon is technology see we you can't get stuck with buggy whip businesses in a (laughs) better reality world okay so yeah man like because look look (laughs) during the pandemic we lost 50 percent of our businesses Mm -hmm. which is bad but at the same time it creates a new opportunity for us technology fundamentally changes the business opportunities that are available to us as a people and we got to build technology-based businesses we have to develop new kinds of businesses than existed before and that's one of the critical things that it's our job as leaders to to convey to people it's a new day social justice is now a reality we can now for the first time think about it for the first time we can stop people from killing us we can we can use things like social me- media to create justice when we couldn't create justice before At the same time, Mm -hmm. businesses are fundamentally different now. The new modern black entrepreneur is very different Mm -hmm. than what we're used to seeing. And, and, uh, you know, we have to recognize those differences. We have to build those new technology-based businesses. We have to support those new technology-based businesses. And that's the key to our future. We have to recognize we hit a critical inflection point right now. If we're going to be effective and participate in a society, we have to become masters of technology. We have to be social media machines. We have to be able to, you know, look, politics is great. That's one aspect of power, but the power is always with the people. Mm-hmm. You, get, you can bring 15 million tweets down on somebody, then you can get their attention. And that's our opportunity is to use this shift in technology to create political, social, and economic power. And that's our job as leaders to inform the people of what's going on. All
5: right, we have more with Kevin Kohey. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ N V Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We have the founder and owner of One United Bank, CEO Kevin Kohey. Still here.
2: Charlemagne. Let me ask you a question, Kev. You know, you you're OG.
7: What do you think? Um what do you think is more important? Equality or equity? Equality or equity? Well, I I think both are important, and I think they're they're both happening. You can think of equality as being a right that not just black people understand, but everybody understands. If you looked at the social justice movement, you looked at the riots last year, those weren't just black people out there. there. There was all kinds of people were involved in the social justice movement because that was just right people understand right from wrong it's just now through social media and other technology we have the ability to exercise our social point of views that so that's the big thing remember okay before last year, despite everything we thought about civil rights, you know those boys would have got away with killing killing, that's killing right. my man down in South Georgia? That's the last year. We've been here since 1619. But that's
2: why I asked the question, equality, equity, because it seemed like for, during civil rights we always f- was fighting for equality. Right. But when Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to pivot to that equity, with yeah. the Poor People's March and getting that money, yeah. that's
7: when they got him up out of here. Okay. Well, this is what I'm saying. They can't get technology out of here. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, that it's a broader base opportunity to move the masses to get equality and equity. I would not gonna choose between equality. You think about that. Equality and equity. I gotta have both of those. You're not gonna take either one of those things away from me. What, what what are some strategies do you think would help fight the racial wealth gap? The racial wealth gap is a knowledge problem. It's it's understanding what you need to do and then having someone to motivate you to complete the transactions you need to complete. So it all starts with the the most basic things, understanding where you are today. Where's your money coming from? Where are you spending it? What is your financial wellness? And from that foundation of starting there in an organized way, really understanding what's going on with you now. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of times we don't understand how to understand. Where we are, mm-hmm. and then use and then working from that foundation to engage in the the basic transactions that are necessary to build wealth. Like in this pandemic, one things, you know we have been challenged with is getting Black Americans to understand the importance of a will. I mean, you know, you know, unfortunately, that's not been something that's been at the top of our agenda, and something that that we're working on. We we're working on, and so the conveyance of that kind of information, things like insurance time like this I mean you know you know sometimes unfortunately we can learn the hard way the impact of not having basic things like insurance Mm -hmm. things like investing things like home ownership, and understanding when to buy a home when not to buy a home and how to do it so so it's a knowledge so when you say eradicating racial wealth gap we see that as a knowledge problem and for us we we always go to technology to solve that kind of problem you, do, you talked about all these wonderful podcasts that exist that work towards that. But what we try to do is we try to create an umbrella. We try to create a framework for being able to do that systematically on a national basis. Think about if we were working in harmony on it, where we were all thinking about, okay, for real, we actually want to deliver the knowledge to black Americans necessary to build well and then we're going to like we're going to work with the person through the entire pro- process of both teaching them and then motivating them to complete the act. We can do that now. We can actually do that. We that's why I say this is such an important time. We can eradicate the welfare, but it has to that's how it has to be done. It it has it has to come from within. It'll take generations though, right? It it needs the the creativity of Charlemagne. Talk, the that we already you already gave me some great ideas just sitting here for doing this interview it needs it needs the energy of envy it needs it needs that kind of involvement The, you know the kind of involvement that that will allow us as a people to say yeah man I'm down with that okay just like we do everything else okay we want to make something hot we know how to make things hot we can make financial literacy hot, mm-hmm. and the thing about that, we make it where where it becomes part of our life. Where we sitting there, we watching the basketball game, and we say, "Man, you know, like, what stocks do you own?" Like, <laughs> like you know, all, all those podcasts I told you about. That's literally what they do, and they got millions and millions of followers, and which is wonderful. Which is it, it makes it an amazing opportunity. That's it. Okay, what you just described that ability to convey financial information and to create millions and millions of followers, which you can then turn into tens of millions, mm-hmm. okay, is really the gold, right? Mm-hmm. So technology has us on, well on the way to being empowered in our society in a way that will make America better. So it's happening. There's no question it's happening. We just have to become better and more proficient and more organized in how we deliver our messages so that's how you eradicate the racial wealth cap it's only one answer it's not about the government nobody's gonna get us to us this is about us doing what we're doing right now okay and by doing what we're doing right now we can change this country it's just knowledge we never okay think about right now technology with all the corporations that are buying supplies or hiring people for new and better jobs as an example we've never had an opportunity like this the opportunities you could create for yourself using in using in there you don't even have to make the product anymore <laughs> think about yeah. it if you look at the latest round of billionaires most of them don't make they don't make nothing <laughs> they, don't okay, okay. Right. they don't they don't they don't make nothing okay mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, you know, but th- that's that's the wonderfulness of today. We have to get our people involved in that. We got to say, now's the time. Now seize the moment. Make the move. This is the time to make the money. This is the time to get the power. Well, how can people put money into
5: the account, give them the website so people might want to open up an account? They don't have to be in Atlanta. They can open it up
7: anywhere in the country. Exactly. It's One United Bank. It's that simple. O-N-E-U-N-I-T-E-D dot com. One United dot com. Go. Check us out, okay. You make your decision. Start start with okay, our product, our cars, our cars to fly. I will put our cars up against anybody. <laughs> like, who's got the flyest car? Okay, then just start there. Okay, before we go anywhere else, okay, mm-hmm. it's one United for sure. Okay, like like we have uh, so our products are fly. They they Let me see who y'all they got for Black well. History
2: Month. Let me see.
7: Yeah, please look at it. I always say, put it. This in, month. Our Greenwood card is is our newest car. But our solidarity yep. card, right. our, our stuff—it's it, our stuff is fly, it's modern, it works. We we doing all the, we doing all the right things for the individual, and we're doing all the right right things for us as a people. All right, well, Kevin, Kevin.
5: Kobe we appreciate you for joining Always us. Always, my brother, and definitely hit up the. Uh... The website, oneunited.com. All right. Yeah. It's the Breakfast Club. It's Kevin Cohey. Hey, Morning, everybody. It's DJ Nv Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy.
2: We are the Breakfast Club. Uh, leave us on a positive note. Listen, the positive note comes from Steve Jobs. All right? Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Breakfast Club, bitches. <laughs> you all finished or you all done?